Welcome to Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha, a podcast shared by David Roylance. This podcast is dedicated to guiding you to completely eliminate the discontent mind and the suffering it causes by attaining enlightenment. Learn and practice the teachings of Gotama Buddha that will guide you to fully attain a peaceful, calm, serene, and content mind with joy. To support this podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash support Buddha or visit buddhadailywisdom.com where you will discover a full range of courses, retreats, and online learning resources to assist you on the path to enlightenment. Now, here's our teacher to share more. สวัสดีครับ. Hello and welcome to Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha. Today is our group learning program and we're studying loving-kindness meditation. This is the very first class of a four-part series where I'm going to be sharing with you loving-kindness meditation. Today I'm going to be teaching you loving-kindness meditation and then we're going to be doing it towards the end of the class. But then the subsequent classes will just be doing loving-kindness together to help you build up this practice. If you've been learning with me and you've been building up your breathing mindfulness meditation practice, this is going to be very helpful for you because now you're going to be adding in loving kindness, which is going to take care of the second aspect of the mind that the Buddha discovered that needed to be eliminated in order to move to enlightenment. So I'd like to welcome all of you. As we go today, you're welcome to ask any questions that you like. All you need to do is put those into Facebook, YouTube, or Zoom, and we'll see those comments and be able to help answer your questions. The first thing I'd like to share with you guys is just kind of recapping the breathing mindfulness meditation so that you understand what we're doing in breathing mindfulness meditation and then talk about what we do in loving kindness meditation. The breathing mindfulness meditation where we're focused on the breath and then anytime the mind moves off the breath, we're just cutting off and letting go anytime the mind moves off and comes back to the breath. This is training the mind to eliminate craving, desire, attachment. This is that mental longing with the strong eagerness. This is the cause of discontentedness. This is the reason why the mind experiences conditioned feelings like anger, sadness, frustration, irritation, annoyance, guilt, shame, fear, all those discontent feelings and others, even stress and anxiety, loneliness, boredom, shyness, resentment, jealousy, all of these and others are all being caused by the same problem, which is craving, desire, attachment. So the breathing mindfulness meditation is helping to eliminate that, of course, along with generosity. Those are generalized trainings that I've shared so far. You're also cultivating mindfulness or awareness of mind in the breathing mindfulness meditation because in order to train the mind in daily life, you're going to need to have that awareness of mind so that as discontentedness is arising, you can observe that and know that it's there due to mindfulness and awareness of mind. And then you can easily cut that off and let it go in your daily life, restraining the mind. And then the other quality that you're cultivating in breathing mindfulness meditation is concentration. This is where the mind is developing the ability to focus on a single object like the breath because oftentimes the mind isn't able to do that. It either wants to be in the past or the future or it bounces around from thing to thing to thing to thing. So by practicing breathing mindfulness meditation, you're training the mind to have concentration. And then this is a quality that you can carry with you during the day and focus and concentration, clarity of mind. And you'll notice your mind will have more memory because you're starting to clear out more and more of the pollution. 
So this is what we're doing in breathing mindfulness meditation. And what you're gonna see when I teach you loving kindness meditation is we're gonna do breathing mindfulness first for about five minutes or so. Then we're gonna go into loving kindness meditation. Then we're gonna come back to breathing mindfulness meditation at the end of our loving kindness meditation. The loving kindness meditation is addressing the anger, hatred, ill will, and all those lesser versions like frustration, irritation, annoyance, and so forth and so on. Because as long as that's in the mind, then an individual is gonna be unskillful with their moral conduct. Our intentions, our speech, our actions are going to have this anger, hatred, and ill will with it. And whenever we're having certain intentions or speech along with that, then it's going to produce unwholesome results because we're now functioning through this anger, hatred, and ill will. So we're cultivating this loving kindness for all beings. This is what we're doing as part of the loving kindness meditation. So as we're cultivating that in meditation, and then when we go out into the world, through our intention, speech, and actions, we practice loving kindness. This is how you ultimately transform the mind away from anger, hatred, and ill will. If all you were doing was meditating, you wouldn't be able to fully transform the mind because you haven't moved that into practice. So it's important to meditate and kind of rewire the mind, so to speak, through meditation. But then as you move into daily life is be sure that through your intention, speech, and actions with that eightfold path that I've shared already in this program, that you practice through your intentions, your speech, and your actions to practice loving kindness. And in general, you can just think about being polite, kind, friendly, and respectful. But the Buddha shares a lot more details around right intention, right speech, and right action that I've shared already. And if you need to go back and refresh your memory on that, you can do that with the Eightfold Path, either in the book or the classes. And we're also going to be covering that again when we get to chapter five. So now that you understand that, let's just talk about what loving kindness is in general so that you'll understand what this is and how it relates to the teachings that the Buddha shares. So loving kindness is one of the Brahma Viharas. These are you're gonna learn about in the chapter 14. There's four healthy mental states. We call them Brahma Viharas. And these four healthy mental states are promoting wholesome qualities in the mind. The first one is loving kindness. Then you're gonna learn about compassion, sympathetic joy, and equanimity. And we're gonna to get to that many weeks from now. But loving kindness is one of those Brahma Viharas or healthy mental state. And what this is, is active goodwill towards all beings without judgment. You're not judging other beings to determine if you should be having this goodwill towards them, but instead you're just having active goodwill towards all beings without judging or measuring or comparing or trying to determine if they're deserving of your goodwill. Instead, you're just practicing goodwill with all beings where you have this genuine interest in seeing all beings be well. And that can be challenging if you have anger, hatred, ill will, or lesser versions of that in your mind. If you have craving for people to be a certain way, then it's going to be hard for you to practice loving kindness. It's gonna be challenging because you want them to be a certain way, they're not that way, and now you might have resentment towards them or other feelings like 
anger, hatred, ill will, frustration, irritation, annoyance, and things like this. And you might even put a wall between you and that person. And what this is doing for you is it's going to help you to break through that wall. But you need to apply the effort to do that. It's just not going to happen magically or automatically. You're doing this in your loving kindness meditation. And then when you go out into daily life, you practice the loving kindness where you have this genuine interest in seeing all beings be well. So now this can emanate through your intention, speech, and actions. The loving kindness is one of the antidotes or wholesome roots. When you learn about the three poisons or the three unwholesome roots or the three fires in chapter eight, you're going to see that not only does the Buddha share what the problems are in the unenlightened mind, but he shares the solutions. So this is one of the solutions that you're going to be needing in order to transform the mind and remedy it away from anger, hatred, and ill will. It's going to help you to eliminate the harshness, the bitterness, the hostility, and the resentment that's in the mind. As I mentioned, we oftentimes in the unenlightened state, we have these cravings. And if we get what we want, we get these pleasant feelings, but those are only temporary. And if we don't get what we want, we get these painful feelings. And oftentimes we attribute those painful feelings to somebody else or to the situation. And now when there's these painful feelings that we're wrongly associating due to wrong view to somebody else, we tend to push them away. This is called aversion. We tend to push this person or this situation away. And now we think that they're the ones who are causing our problems and we've solved the problem by pushing them away. Or we become so harsh, bitter, hostile, and resentful in our intentions, speech, and actions that this person just chooses to leave our life because of the bitterness and harshness that we've practiced through our intentions, speech, and actions. And now when we either push that person away or they choose to go away, the mind can become harsh and resentful towards them and kind of erect this wall. So what you're doing is you're breaking that down. It doesn't mean you need to go back and talk to these people and build relationships, particularly if people have done really harmful things. You know, if they've done things like physical abuse or sexual abuse or things like this, it doesn't make sense to go back and try to repair a relationship that otherwise has resulted in significant harms like that. But there's a lot of these relationships when these things happen, whether it's significant like a sexual abuse or physical abuse, or if it's just somebody disagreed with you and maybe you've gotten annoyed or irritated with that, oftentimes we erect this wall and we're not able to live harmoniously and peacefully and joyfully with all beings because we're pushing people away, erecting this wall and thinking that that's going to solve the problem. But the real problem is deep inside the unenlightened mind. And that's what this meditation is going to do is help you to arise these mental qualities. This mental quality of loving kindness is then going to help you to now practice in daily life where you can be loving and kind. And even though there might be people in your life that are long in the past that you aren't going to see and there's no way for you to ever come in contact with them again, but if your mind's harboring anger, hatred, and ill will, it's going to affect you in your life and you need to train the mind to let that go. You're not going to be able to get to enlightenment as long as this mind is harboring and holding on and clinging to this anger, hatred, and ill will. So it's important to let that go, even if you're not ever going to see this person ever again. And if there's current people in your life that you have anger, hatred, or will for, 
Then when you're practicing loving kindness and you're coming in contact with them, the way that you transform your relationship is your mind becomes more loving and kind. And now you start interacting with them in a more loving and kind way. And they may gradually transform themselves. They may or may not. It depends if they're willing to do any kind of work. It's not going to be an immediate transformation in your own mind. It's not going to be an immediate transformation in the other person's mind. But in these relationships that you currently have where you're struggling and you you have anger, hatred, and ill will, you can break through this by you improving the quality of your mind. And now your intention, speech, and actions become improved where they're more loving and kind. And then new relationships that you create. Now, if you have loving kindness in your mind and you've cultivated this very well, now you're only ever loving and kind to this person. And now they experience your intention, speech, and actions being loving and kind. And that's what will come back to you through your relationships. You're not practicing loving kindness in daily life because you're expecting other people to be loving and kind with you, but just because you know it's the right thing to do. And as you do that, and you see your personal professional relationships blossom, where now you are experiencing more and more loving kindness coming back to you, this is how you know that you're practicing the truth and it's really working. So there's gonna be certain relationships that are long in the past and you need to let go of that anger and hatred with them. There's certain relationships now that you have that you need to maybe work on and transform, and this is gonna help you to transform your own mind. And then there's gonna be new relationships that you will create that having this loving kindness in the mind will help you to get on better footing and make a better foundation for these new relationships. Let's look at Gautama Buddha's teachings around loving kindness related to the Eightfold Path. Because as I mentioned in the past, that this Eightfold Path is a core central teaching of the Buddha. This Eightfold Path being the core central teaching, other teachings plug into it. And here, the teachings on loving kindness are plugging into the Eightfold Path. And there's different things that I've already shared related to the Eightfold Path that were the words of the Buddha, where he was talking about loving kindness, but you wouldn't be able to practice something like right intention or right speech unless you cultivated loving kindness in the mind through meditation. So if you're gonna be successful at the Eightfold Path, which is the path to enlightenment, you're gonna to need to have loving kindness meditation in order to transform the mind so that you can practice fully each of the individual factors of the Eightfold Path. Right intention, the Buddha talks about the intention of renunciation, the intention of non-ill will, and the intention of harmlessness. And renunciation is being willing to let go, right? Having an open mind and be willing to let go. Let go of that anger. Let go of those unwholesome qualities that aren't serving any wholesome purpose. So letting go of the anger, the hatred, the ill will. The mind needs to be willing to let this go. If the mind doesn't have the intention or the thinking or the thought to let this go, the mind's just gonna be holding on to this. And as long as the mind's holding on to this anger, hatred, and no will, you're not gonna be able to let it go. So you need to be willing to let it go. And then the Buddha talks about the intention of non-ill will. Non-ill will is a double negative. That's the same thing as goodwill. Well, goodwill is loving kindness. So if you're practicing the intention or the thinking or the thought of non-ill will, then you would be practicing loving kindness, the thought or the thinking or the intention. But how would you do that if you hadn't cultivated a meditation? So that's why loving kindness meditation is so important to cultivate a mental quality of loving kindness so that now you are setting the mind up with this intention or thinking or thought 
of non-ill will or goodwill. And then the intention of harmlessness, where you're uninterested or incapable of causing harm to other beings. The loving kindness meditation is helping you to cultivate that mind of harmlessness, where you're uninterested in causing harm. You're only interested in seeing wholesome things happen for other beings, this genuine interest in seeing all beings be well. This is going to help you by cultivating the loving kindness and meditation to then practice the intention of harmlessness through the Eightfold Path. And then if you remember as part of right speech where I shared the five factors of well-spoken speech, the fifth factor is speech spoken with a mind of loving kindness. Remember there's speaking at the right time, what you say is true, you speak gentle, you speak beneficially, and you speak with a mind of loving kindness. So this is where this loving kindness meditation and cultivating those qualities in the mind are being plugged into the Eightfold Path where you can arise loving kindness in the mind through meditation. And now you're practicing right intention where you have the intention or the thinking or the thought of loving kindness and seeing all beings be well. And then your speech will be able to emanate from that. Whereas if you have sarcasm or you're trying to twist people's screws a little bit or you know, kind of you know, rev them up a little bit, this is not with a mind of loving kindness and you're going to find that it's going to produce unwholesome results for you. So by cultivating the mind with loving kindness, you can then practice the intentions and speech so that your speech can emanate from this loving kindness. And even when you look at right action, even though I don't have that here on the visual aids, when you look at right action, the Buddha talks about not causing harm through killing, stealing, or sexual misconduct. There has to be a certain amount of hatred or harmfulness in the mind in order for you to kill another being or to steal from another being or to have sexual misconduct. There needs to be a certain amount of ill will in the mind for those things to occur. So by cultivating this loving kindness, not only are you practicing right intention and right speech better, but you're also going to be able to practice right action better and make wiser decisions around your bodily actions. Here's some words around loving kindness that the Buddha talks about in various parts of his teachings that I'll share with you. He says, herein monks, you should train thus. Our minds will be unaffected and we shall utter no evil words. We shall reside compassionate for their welfare with a mind of loving kindness without inner hate. We shall reside enveloping that person with a mind filled with loving kindness and starting with him, we shall reside enveloping the all-encompassing world with a mind filled with loving kindness, abundant, joyful, immeasurable, without hostility and without ill will. This is how you should train monks. So here prior to this, the Buddha was talking about how we should practice the five factors of well-spoken speech. Speaking at the right time, what we say is true. Speak gently, speak beneficially with a mind of loving kindness. And he reminds his students that even though you're practicing that way, not everybody is going to be practicing that way with you. Some people are going to be talking at untimely times. They're going to be speaking lies, falsehoods, things that are untrue. Some people are going to be speaking harsh or aggressive. Some people are going to be speaking unbeneficially and unpurposely with frivolous speech or idle chatter. And some people are going to be speaking with inner hate when they're around you. But what the Buddha is saying is when that occurs, herein you should train thus. Our minds will be unaffected. Be unaffected by that harshness of a person's speech or 
the untimely nature or the falsehoods or the unbeneficial speech or the hateful speech that they have. He's saying, make sure your mind remains unaffected and that you don't utter any evil words because when you utter evil words, those words are going out, that's harmful speech that's going out and now it's going to be coming back to you through other people's intention, speech, and actions. He's saying reside compassionate for that person's welfare because obviously if they're being hateful and vindictive to you, their mind is still challenged and still struggling with these pollutions of craving, anger, and ignorance. So he's saying have compassion for that person's welfare. Have a mind of loving kindness without inner hate. Well, how could you do that if you weren't cultivating it in meditation? And then he says, we shall reside enveloping that person with a mind filled with loving kindness. And starting with him, that person who's speaking unkind and unfriendly and disrespectful, starting with him, we shall envelop the all-encompassing world with a mind filled with loving kindness. This is every being, all beings, ensure that you cultivate. If you even have anger, hatred, and ill will for one being, at all. Your mind is not yet enlightened. So you need to have this all-encompassing mind that is filled with loving kindness, abundant, joyful, immeasurable, without hostility and without ill will. This is how you should train monks. So right now, that's kind of a really high bar, perhaps, depending on how much anger, hatred, and ill will you have in the mind. But that's where loving kindness comes in is going to help to chip away at this and break this up so that you can then start moving loving kindness more and more into your intention, speech, and actions. Let's share some other teachings around loving kindness that the Buddha shared. He talked about loving kindness multiple times in his teachings, but here's a few other places where he talked about loving kindness so that you can have the confidence that the Buddha taught this and why it's so important for you to cultivate loving kindness through meditation and then in your daily practice to have loving kindness as well. This first little sentence, this is where the Buddha was talking to his son. A lot of people think that the Buddha left his family and never came back, but this isn't actually true. His son ends up ordaining with him. He's the first novice or practitioner that comes and studies with him as a young child. Until you're 20 years old, you're considered to be a novice. And then once you are 20, you get full ordination. And now you're actually an ordained practitioner. But up until then, you're a novice. So his son ends up coming on and being trained with him as a novice. And so does his wife. His wife becomes an ordained female. His mother, essentially his stepmother, his aunt, many of his cousins and other people in his family come and decide to get training with him. So here Rahula is the Buddha's son. And he says to his son Rahula, develop meditation on loving kindness. For when you develop meditation on loving kindness, any ill will will be abandoned. This is how a Buddha speaks. They're very clear. They're very concise. They're very precise. You don't have to interpret their teachings. They're going to just teach very clear of exactly what leads to enlightenment. So here he's saying very clearly to develop meditation on loving kindness. For when you develop meditation on loving kindness, any ill will will be abandoned. 
Well, if you remember back to Sunday's class, if you participated there, you've watched the replay, one of those fetters, one of those hindrances to enlightenment, one of those things that are holding the mind back from getting to enlightenment is the fetter or the taint or the pollution or the defilement of ill will. As long as that ill will is in there, you're not going to be able to get to the enlightened mental state. So here he's giving you the solution. Some people talk about the Buddha almost like a physician or a doctor where he's looking at certain symptoms in the mind and then he's providing a certain prescription. So here the problem in the mind is this ill will. This is one of the problems. The prescription or the antidote or the remedy is loving kindness meditation and practicing loving kindness in daily life. So he's saying that here very clearly to his son and he talks in other places about loving kindness as well. Here's another one. He says, loving kindness should be developed to abandon ill will. Again, very clear, very concise. No need to interpret anything. No need to kind of figure it out. He just says it very, very clearly. And then here's another one where he was teaching about something else and then he eventually gets to this. Essentially what was happening before this is some of his students were going out and talking to other teachers and other students because it wasn't just the Buddha who was teaching during that lifetime. There were other people who were teaching other types of teachings that weren't the Buddha's teachings. And then the, they were asking the Buddha like, you know, what should we say if somebody asks us this question? So the Buddha says, suppose they ask, but what friends is the reason unarisen anger does not arise an arisen anger is abandoned. So any anger that hasn't arisen or anger that has arisen, how do you abandon that? How do you get rid of that? How do you ensure that the anger that's in the mind doesn't arise? And any anger that has arisen, how do you ensure to abandon it and get rid of this anger? He says, you should answer the liberation of mind by loving kindness. For one who attends carefully, to the liberation of mind by loving kindness, unarisen anger does not arise, and arisen anger is abandoned. This, friends, is the reason unarisen anger does not arise, and arisen anger is abandoned. So again, very clear, very concise. He's explaining to you that loving kindness and loving kindness meditation is going to produce this liberation. What liberation is is freedom, freedom from strong feelings getting to this peace, to this joy. You wouldn't be able to experience that liberation and freedom of mind as long as it's being burdened and held down by this anger, hatred, and ill will. So it's loving kindness, which is the exact opposite, which will help you to liberate the mind from those strong feelings and get this freedom from the anger, hatred, ill will, because that's really heavy to carry around. If you've ever been angry for multiple hours or days or a week or so, it's really heavy to carry around any kind of anger, hatred, and ill will. And this can really burden the mind and hold it down and bog it down. So by training the mind in loving kindness, you can liberate the mind from this anger, hatred, and ill will. Let's talk about how to actually do loving kindness meditation. And then I'll open up to any questions you guys have before we actually do the meditation itself. So the way that you do loving kindness meditation is you ease into meditation in the same way that you're easing into it now. If you 
are doing chanting. If you've been studying with me before and you learn chanting, you might ease into the meditation with chanting. If you haven't learned the chanting yet, I'm going to be doing that four weeks from now. I'm going to do a four-part series on chanting and help you learn how to do that. So the chanting will help ease the mind into meditation. But if you're not doing the chanting now, it's okay. You can do something else to ease the mind into meditation. Then you're going to do about five, maybe 10 minutes of breathing mindfulness meditation, just to kind of prepare the mind, clear out anything, focusing on the breath. Anytime the mind moves off the breath, you cut that off, let it go and come back to the breath. Then you're going to do this loving kindness meditation where you do these affirmations quietly in the mind. And the affirmation is, may I be peaceful. And you do this on the out breath. Then you breathe in. And then may I be safe. And then you breathe in. May I be well. And then you breathe in. May I be free of all discontentedness and the suffering it causes. You start with I and you do these four statements. May I be peaceful, safe, well, and free of discontentedness and the suffering it causes. Because you wouldn't be able to have loving kindness for others if you haven't cultivated in your mind for this being who you are now. If you have hate and anger and negative self-talk and resentment towards this being who you are now, you aren't going to be able to easily have loving kindness for others. So you need to cultivate this for yourself first. Then you expand this and go create these rings, these wider and wider rings. And you're going to customize these rings based on your life. You have certain people in your life that you currently have loving kindness for. You have people that you're kind of more neutral about. And then you have people that you have anger and hatred towards. And you'd like to create these rings where you're making these wider and wider rings and you're including people where you're looking to cultivate and ensure that you support and maintain loving kindness. You're looking to kind of address anybody that you're more neutral about. You don't hate them, but you don't have loving kindness for them either. You would like to address that and put them in your meditation. And then ultimately, you'd like to get to individuals who you have hatred for, that you have anger for, so that you can start transforming the mind away from that and now practicing loving kindness and meditation and including them in your meditation. So here in the visual aid, I just have some general phrases like, may we be peaceful, may we be safe, may we be well, may we be free of all discontentedness and the suffering it causes. But at one point, I had anger, hatred, and ill will towards my mom for things that happened in our childhood. She's now passed away, but at one time, I had that, and when I first started meditating, I would do, may I be peaceful, may I be safe, may I be well, may I be free of all discontentedness and the suffering it causes. And sometimes I would do that more than once because at one point, I had hatred towards this being that I am now, David. And I had negative self-talk, so I needed to do that multiple times. Then I would make a ring for my mom. May mom be peaceful, right? And I would do that on the out breath, nice and slow. And then breathe in gradually. And then may mom be safe, right? And may mom be well. May mom be free of all discontentness. And I might have did mom more than one time. In the very beginning, that's really what I was focused on is I, myself, and my mom because that was the most challenging relationships. And then ultimately, you get to the very last ring of your meditation. You can do four, five, six, eight rings up to you. And the last ring should be all beings. You're not interested in leaving anybody out. 
And then you customize this meditation based on your needs. So for a good six months, I just focused on me and mom because that was the real challenges that I had. And when I started feeling that anger, hatred, and ill will lifting out of the mind, and I could observe that through my intention, speech, and actions, I could be more loving and kind with mom, I started customizing my meditation to put other people in there. And maybe I moved mom out. So this meditation is customizable. So at that time, I was in business, and there might have been a customer who I got angry with in my own mind, not towards them, but maybe in my own mind. Maybe something happened, and I was craving something, and I felt anger towards them, so I would put them into the meditation. Or maybe an employee, or maybe on the way to work, somebody cut me off in traffic, and I felt this anger coming up in the mind. So I would do this loving-kindness meditation and include them for a few days. Or there was one point where the landlord of where I did my business, they threatened to kill me. You know, they got up in my face and they were threatening to kill me. And for about a week or so, I included him in my meditation. I wasn't trying to change him. That's not what this meditation is about. Sometimes people mistakenly understand. They think that you're trying to change the other person through your meditation, but that's not what you're doing. It isn't possible for you to change somebody else through your meditation or else there'd be no such thing as murders and rapes and prisons and things like this because we'd all get together and we'd meditate and we'd just change other people through our meditation. So that's not what this is about. This is about transforming your mind so that you aren't hateful or vindictive or resentful towards others. So you can customize your meditation. You might include someone for a few days or a few weeks or a few months, and you might move people in and out of your meditation as you need. Each individual person has unique experiences where you've had relationships and experiences with certain people, and you will know who you currently have anger, hatred, and ill will towards. It might be your mother, your father, your brother, your sister, your life partner, maybe your children, your grandchildren, maybe some neighbors or childhood friends or other people in your life that, it, that you feel that you have anger and hatred for. And you'll need to include these people in your meditation, even if you're never going to see them again, because you need to liberate the mind and get it free from those strong feelings so that you're no longer having anger, hatred, and ill will towards them. And you incorporate this into your sessions. So as you're building up your meditation practice, you're looking to build up to two or three meditation sessions for 30 minutes or more. And out of those two or three, you'd like at least one of them to be loving kindness meditation. There with loving kindness meditation, you're still doing breathing mindfulness meditation a bit at the beginning and at the end of your loving kindness. But you would like to have at least one of those because with this craving, anger, and ignorance in the mind that you're going to learn about in chapter eight, you need to be able to antidote that craving with the breathing mindfulness and generosity. And you need to antidote this anger, hatred, and a will with the loving kindness meditation and then practicing loving kindness in daily life. And this is how you do it is with this meditation. So let me stop here and see if there's any questions that you guys have. You can put those into Facebook, YouTube, or Zoom. And if you're in Zoom, you can electronically raise your hand and ask any questions that you like. After the question period, I'm going to go ahead and guide you guys in this meditation where I'll first guide you in breathing mindfulness meditation. I'll then guide you in loving kindness meditation. And then we'll come back to breathing mindfulness meditation before we end our session. But let me see what questions you guys might have so far before we move on any further. 
Okay, I'm not seeing any questions in YouTube or Facebook. I don't see any in Zoom either. So that must mean you guys don't have any questions at this point. So what we'll do then is we'll just go ahead and move into the meditation itself so that you guys can experience this for the first time. I tend to do it you know, fairly short the first time uh, rather than including you know, six, eight, 10 different rings or so. But as we go in each one of these sessions, those four sessions that we're gonna do over the course of these four weeks, I will expand our loving kindness meditation little by little. Usually the first time like this, just to get you used to the structure of the meditation, I'm gonna do these rings of may I be peaceful, may I be safe, may I be well, may I be free of discontentedness. Then we'll go to may we, meaning those of us that are meditating together, and then we'll go to all beings. We'll just do three individual rings. And then we'll go back to the breathing mindfulness meditation. But when you do this on your own over the coming weeks, you're going to need to customize that based on your individual needs. I see that Tonka has her hand up. We can go to Tonka and see what questions she has. Thank you, teacher David. I just noticed on YouTube, uh, there is a, actually it's Facebook. There is a question, what if someone talks to us in a hostile way? He may not stop if we talk softly. Yeah, so if you're around somebody who's hostile or aggressive or disrespectful, it doesn't mean you need to stay there and continue to conversate with them or even to continue to have a relationship with them. You can move on and go forward without addressing what they say. So if somebody was hostile and aggressive and harsh with me, there's a good chance that I won't say anything. I would just walk away. In rare situations, I might say something, but it's not going to be you know, hateful back. It might just be a smile and just walk away. That's typically what I would do because when someone's mind is really hateful and harsh, there's really nothing you can say to fix that. They've got to fix it themselves. So usually the best thing to do is just walk away. So this meditation and training your mind to have loving kindness doesn't mean you just sit around and let people be hateful towards you and be harsh and aggressive and hostile and disrespectful. You can make the decision, a wise decision to just move on with your day or move on with your relationship and no longer continue in that relationship or in that conversation. Thank you, sir. There is one more question here on YouTube. James is asking without chanting, can I have a good meditation? Yes, chanting isn't required in order to do a good quality meditation. That's why it's not part of the Eightfold Path. The Eightfold Path is you know, right view, right intention, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, and right concentration. There's nowhere that it says right chanting. There's enlightened people who don't actually chant. During the lifetime of the Buddha, the chanting was used to remember the teachings because it was an oral tradition. That's the only reason why he used it, is he had his students doing chanting in order to memorize his teachings and commit them to memory. Nowadays, we still chant out of respect and gratitude for the elders and other reasons that I'll share with you guys four weeks from now when I teach you about chanting. But one of the things I will teach you about chanting is I'll say this is the only thing that I teach that would be optional in terms of getting to enlightenment. Like loving kindness meditation, everybody that's interested in getting to enlightenment through the teachings of the Buddha will need to do loving kindness meditation. Same thing with breathing mindfulness meditation. Anybody who's interested in getting to enlightenment would need that. They would need the Eightfold Path. They would need the Four Noble Truths, the Five Precepts, all these other things that I'm teaching. Chanting is the only thing that if it doesn't really connect with you and it's not something that 
you would like to do, you can leave it off. Just be sure that you're cultivating the qualities that I'm going to talk about four weeks from now. I'll explain the various qualities of mine that chanting has produced in my mind. And just be sure you're cultivating those same qualities in other ways of your practice. And I will share that with you when we talk four weeks from now. But chanting isn't required part of the path to enlightenment. Thank you, sir. That's all the questions we have for now. Okay. So when we do the loving kindness meditation, you'll hear that, you know, I'm going to guide you first on the breathing mindfulness meditation. And then there'll be a period of quiet where I'm not guiding you at all. And then I'm going to come back in with the guidance for loving kindness. And when I'm doing the guidance of loving kindness, it's on your out breath that you're repeating the affirmation in your mind. And then you'll take a nice gradual breath in. And then on the out breath, wherever you get to your next out breath, you just repeat that affirmation that I share. And if I was doing this on my own without teaching, you wouldn't know if I was doing breathing mindfulness meditation or loving kindness meditation because everything's happening quietly internal to the mind. But here in class, I'm saying it out loud. So you don't need to say these affirmations out loud. You would like to say them quietly in the mind. And some people like to have visualization during this meditation. So as you think about, may mom be peaceful. Some people think about like a syrup going over mom's body and kind of visualizing this syrup of loving kindness going over her body or your body or your children's body or your life partner's body. Whoever it is that you're putting in, including into your meditation, you might decide to use some visualization. This type of meditation is very different than the breathing mindfulness meditation because we're have different goals here. With breathing mindfulness meditation, we're arising that mindfulness and concentration and cutting off and eliminating craving, desire, attachment. But with loving kindness meditation, it's different. We're using affirmations. We're using the thought processes of the mind to rewire the mind so that now, perhaps in the unenlightened state, when somebody's disrespectful or harsh to you, you might go down this well-worn path of being harsh and disrespectful back with them. But you know where that leads. And someone who's on the path to enlightenment, they're not interested in going down this path of anger, hatred, and ill will any longer because they know it leads to broken relationships and difficulties in our relationships. But it's such a well-worn path that the unenlightened mind just naturally goes down that path. It's just so quick that it reverts to that. But instead, what you're doing now is you're making the conscious choice to now forge this new path. It's like getting out your machete and breaking down the stickers, the branches, the brush, and you're trying to create this new path. And it's a challenge because the mind isn't used to going down this path. It's not comfortable going down this path. And that's where the meditation is coming in. You're kind of rewiring the mind to be more and more interested to go down this path of loving kindness through your meditation, but then ultimately through your intentions, your speech, and your actions. And as you get this path more and more worn through and your mind is more and more willing to do that, this old path of anger, hatred, and ill will, it gets overgrown. And now the mind won't go down that path anymore because it's now been overgrown. So this is how you rewire the mind so that it only is having these peaceful, safety, well, you know, free of discontentedness, these kind of thoughts towards individuals in your life, rather than that hatred, anger, and ill will. And this transformation that you're looking to make in meditation and in your daily life through 
intention, speech, and actions, it's not sudden. It's not immediate. It's not like you're going to meditate once and then all of a sudden feel all this loving kindness come through. In fact, as you're doing loving kindness meditation, you might feel some anger bubbling up. Like that's what I would do. Sometimes I would do my meditation and prior to the meditation, I didn't have anything arise in the mind towards my mom about anger, hatred, and ill will. But then when I would do loving kindness meditation, after the meditation, I would feel kind of angry because it would bring the memories of the things that my mom did during our childhood back to my mind. So this is where you might feel those feelings. And that's why we have the breathing mindfulness meditation at the end of our loving kindness to be able to cut off and let go of any kind of anger, hatred, or will that has arisen during the meditation. But as you do this slowly but surely over a consistent long-term period, you wear away this ill will that's in the mind. And the Buddha talks about wearing away these fetters He says, it's just like kind of like a wooden handle on a tool that if you had a wooden handle on a tool and you were chopping or you were hitting a hammer consistently throughout the day, over a long-term period, this handle would eventually wear itself out and eventually you would need to replace the handle. And he says, you wouldn't know each day how much of the wooden handle you've worn away, but when the handle is completely worn out and it's gone and it's done, you will know when it's time to replace that handle. But each individual day, you're not going to know how much of that handle you've worn away. So he says it's the same thing about these fetters, that each day you're not going to know through your meditation how much of the anger, hatred, ill will you've worn away. But once it's completely gone out of the mind, you'll know that because you won't experience any more anger, hatred, ill will, any more frustration, irritation, annoyance. It'll be six months. It'll be a year. It'll be two years. And you won't see any of this anger, hatred, and ill will arising in the mind. And that's how you'll know it's completely gone from the mind because it's been an extended long-term period without having any of those discontent feelings arise in the mind. So as you do this meditation, don't have expectations that it's going to instantly transform the mind to be more loving and kind. It's not like that. It's a gradual progression that you're going to experience these gradual results. And over time, you are wearing away the anger, hatred, and will. You're not going to know how much each day, but when it's finally gone and you're no longer experiencing anger for six months, a year, two years, three years, that's when you'll know for sure that it's completely gone out of the mind. So let's go ahead and do this together. I'd like to invite you guys, whether you're attending live or you're watching this on the replay, to join for meditation. I'll start with chanting, and then I'll guide you in breathing mindfulness. I'll guide you in loving kindness, and then I'll guide you in the breathing mindfulness before we end up with our chanting. And then after the meditation, we'll open up to any questions that you guys might have after the meditation. So if you're taking a position on the floor you might put a cushion under your rear with your legs lightly crossed if you're in a chair you might just put your feet flat on the floor or cross at the ankles it's up to you there's not just one fixed way to do this you would like the lower body to be comfortable not luxurious and not painful the hands and the arms you put your right hand over your left and your thumbs together if you like the buddha did it this way if that's not comfortable for you there's other options You can put your palms on your thighs, your knees, your palms up. If you're in a chair with an armrest, you might just put your arms on the armrest of a chair. Then with the lower body and the hands and the arms resting comfortably with no muscles engaged, you would like your upper body to be erect, 
This keeps the mind attentive and alert during the meditation so that you can work with the mind. If you were slouched, the mind would have a tendency to be complacent. Or if you were real rigid, the mind would have a tendency to be uptight. So you would just like the mind to be in the middle. So with the body being in a comfortable position where it's not painful, but it's not luxurious, you can keep your body in the upper body nice and erect, and this will keep the mind attentive and alert during the meditation so you can actively work with the mind. Next, you would like to just close the eyes and start breathing in through the nose and out through the nose. Here, you're just working to establish the breath. You can hang out here working with the breath or if you know these chants, you're welcome to join along with the chanting. After the chants, I'll come back with some more guidance.
You should be breathing in through the nose and out through the nose. Here you're just establishing the breath, breathing in gradually through the nose, experiencing the full breath, not trying to control the breath or force the breath, just gradually breathing in, establishing a nice natural inhale. And then whenever you get to it, breathe out gradually through the nose, establishing the breath with a nice natural exhale. Not trying to force the breath or control it, just a nice gradual exhale, experiencing the full breath. Breathing in. in out breathing in in out your breath isn't going to necessarily sync up with the guidance that I'm providing this is your practice so wherever you get to the inhale, breathing gradually through the nose. And whenever you get to the exhale, breathe out gradually through the nose. Once the breath is well established, start fixating the mind on the breath. The breath is the present moment. Fixating the mind on the breath, you can then observe the mind and notice if it's off the breath. You're fixating the mind on the sound of the breath or the sensation of air coming into the nose. And whenever you observe that the mind is off the breath, cut that off, let it go, and come back to the breath, the present moment. Breathing in. in out breathing in in out if the mind moves off the breath or as the mind moves off the breath no need to label the thought, no need to observe it, judge it, analyze it, or even try to figure out where it's coming from. Just wherever you observe that the mind is moved off the breath, cut that off, let it go, and come back to the breath. I'm going to be quiet now and let you do this work of focusing on the breath. And anytime the mind moves off the breath, you cut that off, let it go, and come back to the breath, the present moment. You have nowhere to go. There's nothing to do. No one needs you right now. This is your time to focus on the breath. Breathing in. 
in, out. Continuing to breathe in through the nose and out through the nose. On your next out breath, repeat this affirmation in the mind.
May I be peaceful. May I be free of all discontentedness and the suffering it causes. May we be safe. discontentedness and the suffering it causes.
may all beings be safe. May all beings be well. May all beings be free of discontentedness in the suffering it causes. Now go back to breathing mindfulness meditation, focusing on the breath, breathing in and out.
What I'm going to do is just open up to any questions that you guys might have related to what we discussed today, the loving-kindness meditation. And now that you have a chance to do loving-kindness meditation, you might have some questions or maybe not. This meditation that we just did, it was just a very short kind of brief meditation just to kind of get you familiar with the structure those three individual rings, you're going to customize those. That's probably not what you're going to do because it's very general. You're not going to really be able to cultivate the mind towards loving kindness if you just use may I, we, and all beings. You're going to need to put people like mom and dad and brothers and sisters and co-workers and life partners and ex-girlfriends, ex-boyfriends, things like this that you're maybe having some anger, hatred, and ill will towards. And this will gradually transform the mind. So let me know what questions you guys have. You can put those into Facebook, YouTube, or Zoom, or you can raise your hand in Zoom electronically and ask any questions that you like. 
I see Tonka's got her hand up, so we'll go ahead to Tonka. Thank you, Teacher David. I would like to clarify uh, a little bit certain feelings. When it comes to loving kindness, I'm still not sure what it means in everyday life. For example, um, uh, my daughter just had a, a wedding and I had opportunity to be around my ex-husband that I wasn't with for 20 years. There was no anger, there was no hatred, none of that. But at the same, like, I was very friendly and polite and respectful, but there was no interest to be friends by any means, right? Mm -hmm. There was plenty of people that I enjoyed to be around with, beautiful people. I really love to be around them. And then there is a third degree, <laughs> Uh, like my little granddaughter, I just have so much affection towards her. So my question is for enlightened person, like how how would enlightened being uh, relate towards those three uh, uh, relationships? Like, would you feel the, the same way? Like to me, they are very different, even though I have no hatred or ill will towards anybody, I can't say that the feelings are the same. Like there is affection, for example, towards my little granddaughter that I don't feel toward other people. So I don't know if it's attachment or uh, I just don't see how can I uh, have the same uh, affection towards everybody or is it normal to have more affection towards people that are much closer to you? However, like there is no hatred or ill will, but it's more uh, neutral towards some people. So if you can clarify uh, those things, I would appreciate that. Thank you. Sure. So loving kindness is just having a genuine interest in seeing beings be well. And based on our previous conversations, I'm pretty sure there's attachment there to your granddaughter and what you're describing as affection can actually potentially be this attachment and it doesn't mean you're bad or you're you know done anything wrong it just means that the mind is typically attached to children grandchildren life partners parents brothers and sisters these are the people that are closest to us and those are usually the attachments that are the strongest and what we oftentimes think is love in the unenlightened state is actually craving desire attachment i'm sure there's love in there but oftentimes we are feeling and experiencing attachment. So it's wonderful that you don't have any anger, hatred, or ill will towards your ex-husband. The way that you kind of can do a litmus test of whether or not you've cultivated loving kindness and there is no anger, hatred, ill will, or those lesser versions. Remember the annoyance, the irritation, even those are coming from the same poison. It's just on a different end of the spectrum. You know, we talk about it as anger, hatred, ill will, because it's quite strong and you can see what that means. But the same poison also has lighter aspects of it, like that irritation or annoyance and things like that. It's coming from the same poison or the same unwholesome root. It's just diminished significantly. So it's not producing the strong feelings of anger, hatred, or ill will. So the litmus test that you use is, you know, if your ex-husband showed up at your house and said, hey, Tonka, you know, I broke down my car two blocks away. I've run out of gas. Can you help me 
to go get some gas. And if, you know, you're like, yeah, no, I'm not going to help you, then the mind hasn't yet cultivated this genuine interest in seeing all beings be well. I'm not saying that you need to do that or you're required to do that if he shows up, because I don't know all the background of the history, right? Because if he was an abusive husband or something like this, then, of course, you're not interested in being around him for any amount of time whatsoever. The last thing you're interested in doing is getting in a car and going to help them get gas, potentially, because you're in the same proximity and you need to make wise decisions about your personal safety and your physical safety. But you can do these kind of litmus tests to see, has the mind truly let go of any kind of harboring of this ill will that the mind might be holding on to. And this is the way you can do a litmus test. Whereas if you were confronted with that situation and you slam the door in his face or like, no, get out of here. You know, I don't want to be around you. I mean, you would be harsh and aggressive with him or any kind of lighter version of that. Then, you know, the mind is still harboring a bit of anger, hatred, or ill will in those lesser versions. An enlightened being will be able to be harmonious and peaceful with everybody. It's not that they're going to necessarily choose to be friends with everybody because not everybody in the world is going to be willing and able and capable of having a relationship with you. So it doesn't mean that you need to go out and have a relationship with your ex-husband. Again, I don't know the background of why you guys ended, but it just means that by the time your mind gets to enlightenment, you will view all beings equally and you will have the same amount of genuine interest in seeing them be well for your granddaughter as you would your ex-husband. You're going to do things differently in your role. Your ex-husband, when he's sick, you're not taking him to the hospital. You're not getting him food. You're not helping him bathe and all these kind of things because your role is different now. You're not in that relationship anymore. Where with your granddaughter, if she was sick, if she was ill, if she needed help getting bathed, you would do that because that's your role as a, as a grandmother. So the role that we perform in different people's lives is different from person to person. But ultimately, by the time you get to enlightenment, the genuine interest in seeing all beings be well is equal. And that's why the loving kindness meditation is there for you to cultivate that. And then when you're in those environments, you do come in contact with your ex-husband. You don't have even the slightest little annoyance. You see him, you can smile. Hi, how are you? Nice to see you. I hope everything's well in your life. And again, I don't know the background. If he was abusive, this may not be the type of conversation you would have with him. You might just choose to smile and wave or whatever it is and just know that, okay, you know, I'm going to keep my distance because perhaps he was abusive to you in the past. I don't know. Just using that as an example, because we do see that in the world where one particular partner can be abusive to the other. And this sometimes results in the ending of a relationship and where you have verbal abuse, you have sexual abuse, you have physical abuse. These aren't people that you're probably ever going to cultivate a relationship with again, potentially, if you've gotten away from those relationships. But you still need to get to a point in your mind where it's no longer holding on to any of this anger, hatred, and ill will. Thank you, teacher. Yeah, I I don't have any of that. But I wonder more about uh, the, the, I call it affection, that fuzzy feeling towards my granddaughter. So I'm like, yeah, definitely. This is very different. <laughs> okay. Now that you've given the information, now I understand. That fuzzy feeling you're feeling, 
That's the bodily sensation that occurs before pleasant feelings come into the mind. So that's indicative that there's a craving, desire, attachment in the mind. So that when you are around your granddaughter, you're getting those bodily sensations because the pleasant feelings are coming into the mind based on the condition that you're with your granddaughter. Because you're not getting those fuzzy feelings when you're around your ex-husband, right? Because you're not getting pleasant feelings because of this condition, right? So that completes the the picture there that yes there is a craving desire attachment there towards your granddaughter again you're not a bad person a lot of grandmothers have this a lot of mothers a lot of fathers a lot of grandfathers but what you would like to do is get to the point where your mind can be peaceful and joyful around your granddaughter and when you're not around her you're not missing her you're not worried about what she's doing or how she's functioning or anything like that the way you get to that is when you feel those warm fuzzy feelings even though we like those feelings in the unenlightened state it's ultimately going to lead to painful feelings because if you allow the mind to experience those conditioned pleasant feelings it's only a matter of time before the painful feelings come in when something occurs with your granddaughter you get a phone call that she's in the hospital with a broken leg you might be shaken up, you might be worried, you might feel like, oh my goodness, I gotta run to the hospital. So what you would like to do is when you feel those fuzzy feelings, those bodily sensations coming, cut them off and let them go, not allowing the mind to get those temporary pleasant feelings, because then when you're not allowing the mind to base its inner feelings on the condition of being with your granddaughter, whether you're with her or you're not, you can still maintain your joy. Where if you continue to allow those conditioned pleasant feelings to occur, you're never going to get to those unconditioned joy that's in the mind. So uh, when I when I feel those feelings, those fuzzy feelings, uh, I just cut them off as much as I possibly can. Yes. And if you need to redirect the mind, like if you're coming towards her and she's all smiles and you're like all giggly and like, oh, my goodness, my granddaughter. Yes, I'm living for this. This is the best part of my week. OK, go ahead and have your hug, but then like redirect the mind and, and do something else. But at the same time, you're not interested in conditioning your granddaughter's mind to have this same kind of thing going on, too. So like when I pick my son up from school, he'll come out of the gate and I'll be like, I call him big boy. I'll say, you know, hey, big boy, how you doing? He's like, oh, I'm doing good. I'm like, how was your day? He's like, oh, I had a great day. And sometimes he asks me first, hey, dad, how was your day? So we just have a regular, normal conversation. Like we've seen each other all day long. It's like no big deal. Where you see other parents picking up their kid. It's like, ah, you know, getting all this excitement. And ah, my goodness. And they come running for their parents and hugging their parents and all this stuff. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm not looking down or judging this. But this gets the child's mind in the parent's mind conditioned to go to that excited feeling when there's contact. And this is part of the problem. And this is how the mind is conditioned to experience those conditioned, pleasant feelings, painful feelings, neither painful nor pleasant. So when I see my son, it's just like, hey, buddy, what's up? How's it going? He's like, oh, everything's great. I was like, how was your day? How'd you do on your test? You know, we're just having a conversation. Same thing like when my wife went to America for three months and didn't see her son for three months. When she comes back, it's just like, hey, how you guys doing? You know, what are you up to? You know, we give a hug, of course. We give a kiss. We feel a 
affection, those kind of things. But it's not just like, oh my goodness, I missed you so much. Where have you been? What have you been up to? Oh, we've been missing you. We've been thinking about you every day. You know, these kind of things. This is just the craving desire attachment. So what you like to do is when you come together with your granddaughter, just make it just completely calm, completely normal, allowing your mind to stay calm, allowing her mind to stay calm, not getting to this elevated state. And then whenever you see those fuzzy feelings coming into the body, you cut them off and let them go. Still give your hugs, still give your kisses, still say I love you so much, all those affectionate things that you do, but just restrain the mind, not letting it get to that excited, euphoric state. Okay, thank you, sir. Mm -hmm. You're welcome. Tonka, did you happen to look at Facebook or YouTube to see if we have any questions there? Here we go. Yes, I'm just looking at uh, YouTube. There is nothing there. Facebook, I don't see any questions. Okay. All right. Yes, I don't see any here either. All right. Well, as I mentioned, this meditation was just very brief, just to help you get the structure of loving kindness meditation so that you can then work with this and develop it and customize it based on your specific needs. The first time I do loving kindness meditation with students, I just keep it very simple, very basic, just to help you get the structure. Now, when we go forward in the subsequent Wednesdays, I'm going to customize each one of these meditations and show you the different options of how you can customize this. And then between now and next Wednesday, you would like to be doing some work with this in order for you to now get comfortable doing this structure. And if you do the three basic ones like I just did, the simple ones, if that is what you would like to do in order to get used to practicing loving kindness meditation, you can. But at some point, I would encourage you to customize it and put in people that you currently have loving kindness for, whether that's a life partner, whether it's children or grandchildren, whoever it is, put some people in there that you have loving kindness for because you would like to support that, encourage it, don't allow it to fade. And then some people that you're more neutral about, maybe like your neighbors, your coworkers, things like that. Put some of them in there. And then ultimately put people in there that you do have anger for, you do have hatred towards. Put them in there and make sure you're cultivating that. Because if you start with the people you already have loving kindness for, it'll kind of bring it up in the mind and it'll kind of bubble over into the people that you're more neutral about. And you'll kind of lift that up and kind of bring that into the mind. And then it'll kind of bubble over and boil over into the people that you have anger, hatred, ill will towards. Where sometimes if you start with the people that you have anger, hatred, ill will towards, it's a lot harder to arise these qualities of loving kindness. So you kind of have this cascading effect. And then ultimately get to your final ring where it's all beings. And you can put six, eight, 10, 12, it's up to you how many rings you do. You can even just do one or two rings. There were even some meditations where I just did myself and then I went to all beings and that was it. So if you have negative self-talk, if you have resentment towards yourself or others, this is the meditation that's going to help you with that. If you have irritation or annoyance, uh, agitation, this is going to help you. Any kind of hostility, aggression, it's going to help you. If you have anger, hatred, or will, it's going to help you to start gradually knocking that down and wearing that away. And what you'll finally see is that now when you go around those people, your intention, speech, and actions are emanating from loving kindness. So even though in my early years and through my early adulthood life, 
I was very angry with my mom for the things that happened. As I transformed the mind through this meditation, I started to be able to talk with her in very loving and kind ways. She wasn't always able to do that with me, but I was able to do that with her. And as I started doing that with her and I was practicing generosity and not being attached to her, our relationship got onto a very good footing to the point where everything was completely fine by the time that she died, that there was nothing but loving kindness that I had towards her and she had the same thing towards me. And the way that this gradually transformed is I had to start with my mind first because if I was expecting my mom to change and I wasn't willing to do any change, then our relationship was still gonna be problematic. But by me not even telling her what I was doing, but just doing the work on my own mind, now when we talked on the phone or I went to go see her or I did different things, then this allowed me to be more loving and kind through my intention, speech, and actions. And then she felt that over long-term period of time, she felt that more and more, and she started gradually transforming how she interacted with me without necessarily doing meditation herself, but just through me being more loving and kind, because as you put out loving kindness, this is what's gonna ultimately come back to you because of the natural law of gamma. So work with this, gradually build it up along with your breathing mindfulness meditation. As you have questions, you're welcome to ask those in the classes as we go forward. You're welcome to put posts in the Facebook group. You can reach out to me privately through private message or you can schedule a personal discussion and I'll help you to build up your loving kindness meditation. So thank you all for joining for today's class. We'll see you guys in one of our future classes like this Sunday. We've got the group learning program where we're gonna be doing chapter one. This is titled Universal Teachings, Love, No Harm, and Good Morals. And then next Wednesday, we're gonna be doing the loving kindness meditation, the second part of that series. So again, thank you all for joining and I appreciate you deciding that today is a day that you'd like to learn the Buddhist teachings. We'll see you in a future class. Have a very lovely and wonderful rest of your day. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To provide support for this podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash support Buddha. To access more teachings, visit buddhadailywisdom.com. There, you will discover a full range of courses, retreats, and online resources to assist you on the path to enlightenment. Remember to establish a daily, consistent meditation practice along with learning and practicing these teachings. A well-developed meditation practice is the foundation in which to train the mind to attain enlightenment.